everyone, and welcome down to episode number 33. I had to check. <laughs> this, this is getting out of control down here. Uh, episode number 33 of the Down South Photo Show with me, Brendan Waits, and my good friend down in Hobart who looks a wee bit exhausted. He's uh, been hard at it through a uh, yes. workshop over the last few days. Cam Blake in Hobart Town. How are you today, Cameron? I'm good, Brendan. G'day. Uh, what an absolute dog's breakfast the start of this episode has been prior to recording and to now. It's, um, yes. For our viewers playing at home, you don't need to know it's been... Um, it's been a show in the making, shall we say? Oh no, but, um, no, no, no! You can tell them. I'm, yeah. I, I, you know, don't judge me, but I am the worst when it comes to connecting new <laughs> things to my PC and phones. Yeah. And so, ugh. so for you, so for you, wonderful loyal listeners and viewers out there, Brendan sent me a message today saying you'll never guess what huge, huge announcement coming. I'm thinking Big. he's got something amazing to announce. Uh, he announced that he had a new webcam at that. Put him in the sixteen by nine ratio. Yes. So before this, uh, we started recording. On we come. Brendan's looking good. Can't hear him properly. Can't get the sound right. Something's not <laughs> syncing. Headphones aren't working. So fifteen minutes later, we're back to four by three. Yes. And uh, away we go. And then you forgot what episode it is. Correct. <laughs> you're having a cracker. Sixteen by uh, nine can get stuffed. I don't. It's whatever. <laughs> like you that's, know. That's, that's that's so 2021 16 by nine. It is. We've moved on. It's yeah. it's, it's sixteen. Yeah. It's it's four by three all the way. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag uh, I'm, team four by three. <laughs> hashtag. Yes. You won't get many hashtags. I don't think. No. Uh, but I, I'm good, mate. Um. Yeah. A little bit worn out. Done a few last five days up in the Tarka. I've yes. been a bit. Uh, a bit tired. Uh, We're going to talk quick... about your week yeah, we in Tarkine yeah. as one of our subjects yeah. tonight, which will be interesting. Um, yes. I will do what I normally do, and that is thank everyone for liking, subscribing, mm. following, all that sort of stuff. Uh, can't let the intro go without mentioning last week's show, the Ben Horn interview. Yes, um, yes. Been very, very well received. Thank you very much for everyone who's listened, for everyone who's popped over to Ben Horn's channel or instagram or whatever and had a look and said g'day and all that sort of stuff um yeah i'm sure he greatly appreciates it yeah that was um that was awesome and um yeah everyone all the feedback like i said has been really good um the feedback I've, I've got from that episode is exactly the feedback we got ourselves really after talking to ben is just how much of a genuinely nice guy he seemed to be and loved his photography and um, people are just you know mesmerized by the work he does so that was awesome uh hopefully our next guest uh, can live up to that well, um, the next guest is guest is locked away, uh, and mm. as per par for the course for the Down South Photo Show, we're not telling you who it is until a little bit later. Um, well, you know, yes, we'll keep you guessing, but yeah. um, big name in the Australian photographic industry, wouldn't you say, Cam? Doesn't get much bigger than him. Oh, holy smokes! Watch out! Probably won't have to do this one at Bulldust o'clock either. No, their their time zone is a little bit more user friendly, as, um, as in the same as ours. So that's a win. Yeah. So there's a get. There's a, a bit of a, a hint for people. He, they, he or she is East Coast Australia. Ooh, there you go. Or maybe Papua New Guinea. True. Or Japan. Or Japan. <laughs> Could be. Could be. You Could never be. know. We've got. Know. We, we yeah. reach far and wide on the Down South Photo Show. Moving right along. Yeah. Um, our backgrounds. Mine's useless because we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. So. Bad luck because I'm terrible at technology. Um, I've got mine. It is still, still a, it's still, still a nice a, photo, isn't it? 
you're still at Port Ferry. You've been there for a month. I have. That's right. I need to, I need to move on from here. We go. I'll, there you go. I'll give everyone a look. I mean, yeah. again, people in cars and in headphones and stuff can't see it, but um, there you go. That's. Do you reckon the people? Do you reckon the people driving are going? I yeah, can't, I can't see his background. Can't see it. Get, no, get out of the way, Brendan. Uh, and yeah, the way. leading into our first main topic this week, I want to talk about your background, Cam. Yes, my background is from the amazingly stunning, incredible, mind-blowing uh, Tarkine region. This is uh, a spot called Sarah Ann Rocks. Um, <laughs> funny story. We had a, I, I, you know, you go on your workshops and you, you, know, you tell people stories about where you are, where you're going, what you're doing, and stuff like that. And of course, every time we go to Sarah Ann Rocks behind me here, which is part of the Tarkine West Coast, someone says, "Where does Sarah Ann get its name from?" So we had a lovely guest on my workshop, a repeat customer, whose name happened to be Anne, and I'm going to dob her in for this. So uh, we had a co-pilot swap every in the bus. Everyone sort of had to go out co-piloting with me up the front, and Anne sort of took on the, low, the lead role of uh, informative guide, you know, telling people all the stacks and facts and figures and things like that of the, of the Sarah Ann Rocks. And she came up with this uh, Google search about where Sarah Ann Rocks got its name from, and she was I'm driving along, dodging these little animals in the nighttime on the way back, and She's uh, telling us all about how a ship named the Sarah Ann took off from a certain place in Tassie and it shipwrecked and all the, the possessions were all over the rocks and stuff like that. And she's like, and that's how Sarah Ann got its name, Sarah Ann Rocks. And I'm like, that that doesn't ring true to me at all. That's not what I remember. The, and I've been telling people a completely different story about what these rocks name is. And I was telling them that it was about, uh, there was meant to be a lady that was a, a watercolour painter who used to paint these rocks a lot. So anyway, everyone in the group was like, well, you've just been, what, what else have you told us is not true, Cam, for the last five days? Like, what have you been telling us? <laughs> so for the next day, as we were getting there, it was in the back of my head. Anyway, I finally got time to stop driving and do a bit of a Google search on the way home. And Sarah Ann Rocks is named after Sarah Ann Fogg, who is a watercolour artist, painter, um, who lived well before the Sarah Ann shipwreck, which was on the east coast of Tasmania, not uh. on the west coast. <laughs> so... It so was in a, your face, Anne. Yeah, yeah, Anne. And by the way, Anne, if you're listening, you left your drink bottle in the bus. Oh, um, right, well. So I've surely there's another yeah. way you can contact Anne and let her know that. Nah, just on the that's pod, it. that's fine. That's, no everything, everything goes via the podcast. <laughs> so yeah, but these these, these are amazing uh, spot. They're part of the, the rugged coastline. Um, it's an incredible spot. Uh, we had a great time. Uh, the weather was probably too sunny for a lot of the foresty shots we usually get, but we had a couple of hours of overcast and got some nice stuff there and uh, went on a beautiful river cruise down the Pyman River out to the Pyman Heads uh, right onto the west coast of Tassie. Um, so yeah, we had a great time, really good group of people, lots of laughs, lots of fun. Uh, we actually listened to the Ben Horn podcast in the bus. They forced me to put it on. I didn't want to listen to myself talking. Wow. Uh, but that was that was given a run and uh, yeah, it was great. We had a really good time and got some beautiful photos um, and yeah, made some good friends and yeah, back here, but a bit tired and usually have a day or two off afterwards before I start getting back into things. Now, my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, is, uh, sorry, five days? Four days, five days. Five five days in total. Four nights, five days. Okay, so and each morning it's up early for the sunrise? Well, that, that's the funny thing or the tricky thing with the West Coast. Because you're on the West Coast, you, you don't get too many spots where you can get sunrise from. But we do do sunrise. I think we did three or four sunrises. Uh, but what we do is we tend to go, there's another town called Stanley, which is a very, very popular uh, little tourist town with the big ge geological 
rock, the big nut it's called. Uh, and you can get a couple of different angles of that at sunrise. And then there is also a spot in the Tarkine Forest that if you get a real misty sort of foggy morning, you get this beautiful river running through the forest, you can take a photo of as well. So yeah, we do, we sort of generally have at least three or four sunrises, maybe a morning off to sleep in, but we definitely get every sunset because you're on the West Coast, you get all that beautiful afternoon light and into into the evening. Well, you've definitely captured some good blue hour light behind you there. Yes, absolutely. This was about, this was about 10 minutes after sunset. Yep. So, so pretty good. for newcomers to the channel, um, blue hour, what are we talking about when we talk about blue hour, Cam? Blue hour. Well, blue hour is the time after the sun hits below the, the horizon. Um, you get those beautiful sort of gradients of colors, purples, blues, uh, sometimes a little bit of uh, red still in the sky as well. Um, but it's usually, I don't know, usually it's about 20 minutes from sunset onwards. You get this beautiful sort of soft light afterwards and it's, you know, there's no actual direct sunlight. It's all the sun bouncing off the atmosphere above you, below the horizon. So you get this beautiful even spread of light and color you tend to get really nice pascally colors as well. You don't get that real vibrant color. Um, so yeah, most people think that, you know, if you're doing sunset or sunrise, because it happens before uh, before sunrise as well, uh, a lot of people think that once the sun goes down, it's it, you, you pack your gear up and you're done. Uh, but we always hang around until just before you can just start seeing, or stop seeing your hand in front of your face and it gets a bit dark. So don't pack up early is the, is the tip there, um, yeah. or get up earlier for sunrise. Yeah, well, you can see actually and again, sorry for those people listening, not watching, but the, the difference between the, my background, which is at golden hour, and your background, yes. which is at blue hour. So a lot more, my photos a lot more contrasty. You can see the light there on the waves and stuff like that, whereas Cam's yep. has a much more even spread of light, like it's almost been filtered yeah. um, to make it nice and soft. There's no shadows per se, no definite shadows and that sort of stuff. So yeah. blue yeah, hour can right. be awesome and um you're right what you say there because uh i've been guilty of it myself oh sun's gone down see ya yeah yeah uh, i find as well and i i used to be exactly the same and i found that i'd pack up and be back at the car and i'd be <laughs> like geez that light's good mm. why, why what am i why did i leave and right. i think you know in my experience like i don't know about everyone else's but i find that i used to do that if I was a little bit off the beaten track of it, I'd be like, I've got to get back to the car before it gets dark for safety. So you're more worried about that kind of thing. But, you know, if you just hang around an extra 10 minutes, have a head torch with you, you're generally okay anyway. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, if you can, obviously safety first. But if you can hang around until it does really, you know, 15, 20 minutes after after the sun's gone down, you'll, you'll certainly get, if it's been a nice sunset, you'll definitely get this sort of purpley, mm. blue, sort of blue hour afterwards as well. Which naturally leads me to the point that um, modern day digital cameras being more sensitive so they've got better sensors and yep. they're more sensitive you can shoot at higher isos and still get a clean image are now yep. useful during blue hour um yes whereas once yep. upon a time you know you, you'd lose a light really quick and you, and you don't have the the range in your camera to be able to capture these shots so you can actually shoot handheld once the sun's gone down for quite some time now with particularly with your, your your um artist formerly known as Olympus gear, you know, that, that yeah. can that can work quite well because it's got, you know, yeah. four million stops of image stabilization or something, hasn't it? Yeah, it does. It's it's, it's they, well they only they only stop making the image stabilization go more because the earth rotates and they can't <laughs> justify it. That's right. Uh, but you you're, yeah, you're right. Uh, but you're right, yeah, there is um yeah, you generally get um there was some people on on the workshop here that had Olympus and there was a few hand holding shots. 
um, getting about half a second exposures. I, I did a couple of two-second exposures with the Olympus. I did this one on a tripod because I, I could tell this is going to be a, a fairly nice scene, so I made sure I had the tripod and used a fairly slow shutter speed just to get the waves to blur in the background and things like that. So, yeah, but Blue Hour is a big one. Um, and, you know, just, just that extra 10, 15 minutes hanging around. Uh, and sometimes you can, you go, like, if you're worried about getting back to where you got to get to, I, I generally get my bag packed as much as I can before the sun goes down, knowing what lens I'm going to use. So when you are finished, it's literally camera in a bag, tripod, away you go. You don't have to sort of fuddle around doing stuff. So be prepared, you know, predict what's going to happen and, and don't forget your head torch. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and we're sort of branching off in tangents tonight, but that's totally cool. Um, when it comes it's totally, to... Totally normal. <laughs> totally normal. When it comes to handheld shots, uh, yep. image stabilisation aside and pushing the limits of your camera aside... Do you have a magic shutter speed where you go? Not a magic, but a you know a shutter speed mm. in your mind where you go, nah, tripod time. Is there is there a? Yeah, I I, I do. Uh, for me, with with hand if, with the image stabilization and the Olympus, I reckon it's about half a second for me. Yeah. Where I think I can I can I'm confident that I can hold half a second and get some pretty good shots. I did actually do some shots last time on a workshop here of some coastal shots where I actually used some of the inbuilt neutral density filters on the camera. And I actually handheld a couple of seconds of this water running over this rock, and I was really quite impressed with that. Yeah. But I still, I still try and get the tripod as much as I can. So I usually about half a second for me, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not confident that I can do any longer than that yeah, with action shake. There are people right now screaming at their phones and their in their stereos and their cars, going, "What half a second? Are you kidding me?" And that's because mm. Cam does shoot with a system that allows him to handheld handhold for longer because that image stabilization image stabilization yeah. system but also yeah. what cam's got going and what i've got going for me as well is we shoot at such wide angles as well yeah. and quite yeah. often that can mask a little bit of blur um it, it might be yeah. there uh, and sometimes when you enlarge right up you might pick it slightly but because yeah. generally speaking you're never going to do that with the image you're going you're yeah. showing the whole image off um you're not going to pick it up so for me it's that it is about one thirtieth of a second. Um, yeah. When I just go, yeah, no, I'll chuck this on a tripod now. Um, yeah. Well, because old, I don't, I don't old, have a steady hand at the best of times. Yeah. Well, there's a, the old, the old rule as well that you try and match your shutter speed to your focal length. Yeah. Uh, you know, so if you're shooting at thirty mil, you try and shoot at thirtieth of a second, or if you're shooting even wider, at ten or 15, 18 mil, you know, you might get fifteenth of a second. But yeah. Again, like I said, you add a few extra stops on there for the image stabilizer and about a half a second is where I'm comfortable. Um, but having said that, if I shoot on something that doesn't have image stabilizer, then I've actually got my uh, one of my cameras you can actually set up for it to shoot at um, you know twice twice what the ISO, uh, twice what the, the focal length is. So if you're using a 50mm lens, it'll only let you shoot at 100 hundredth of a second or more or That's faster. Yeah, so you don't get that handshake. But yeah, a lot of times with those cameras are on the tripod pretty early. But uh, yeah, the OMD, formerly known as the Olympus, um, it, it's pretty impressive. Um, yeah. And I actually got to play with the new OM1 on the weekend. Not mine and not given to me, but one of my customers had one brand new, literally picked it up four o'clock the night before he flew into Tassie um, and had a play with it. And I can tell you folks, if you're interested in the OM1, Viewfinder is magic. Screen is incredible. Autofocus is very, very responsive. Um, and everything's quick, like real quick. Uh, the processing is really quick. So I, I wasn't sure if I was going to get an OM1, but... You might be swayed. I think I, I think I might be. 
Hmm. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, it was a great trip. We had a great time. Um, beautiful weather, nice food, uh, lots of laughs. Um, yeah, it was good. Good, it was good fun. Um, and yeah. you, and you say the weather was almost too good. Yeah, we we usually like that northwest coast of Tassie usually gets a lot of rain uh, most of the year round. You know, get the rains over three hundred time uh, over three hundred days a year. Uh, but we didn't get any rain. We had a little bit of cloud. We had a cloudy day one day, and the rest of them were just beautiful mornings. Uh, we we sort of tried to um, time our forest stuff early or late afternoon. Um, but yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit tricky to be honest, like trying to get into the forest because the forests are a big draw card yeah. of these of this this uh, this workshop. And we still got some beautiful sh- uh, beautiful shots, but. The coastal one really stood out. The coastal spots really stood out in this workshop. Yeah, that's landscape photography, though, right? I mean, that, that's well, that's that's, it. that's the learnings that your students yeah. on, this, on on the trip would have taken away. That uh, yeah, you know, it's like when you go fishing, you, you're never sure what you're going to catch. And uh, yeah, that's right. Landscape photography yeah. is exactly the same. Yeah, and I think I think people picked up on that. It's like, well, we're, okay, we're here, we're in the location we want to be. It's not great weather for <laughs> forests, but. No, we, we started talking about more abstract stuff and black and white, you know, doing some black and white forest stuff and things like that. So there's a lot of conversations that went around where people are like, oh, okay, I would never have thought of that. Um, you know, yes, we're here. Okay, it's a beautiful forest, but it's not wet and it's not moist and it's not raining or, you know, what do we do? It's like, well, there's plenty of shapes and patterns and abstracty things you can shoot. You can shoot black and white, you know, you can shoot up, you can shoot down, you know. So we made it work. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a beautiful spot, the Tarkon, and Actually, today there's been a pretty big announcement about the Tarkine because it's completely unprotected. It's not a national park or anything like that. It's, there's logging and mining all around the borders. But they've just found a, a new section of hue and pine uh, in the Tarkine, which is which if uh, it's been verified, but it's now going to be classed as one of the most northern sections of hue and pine trees in Tasmania. Usually they're quite south. Um, and they've rated them at three or 4,000 years old. There's actually like a big, big chunk of them. Uh, which they didn't realise there, so that's that's a really good thing in regards to trying to protect that region because um, you know they're they're a pretty special tree. Uh, so that's just been announced today. So um, that, that's, that's exciting. That's very cool, very mm. cool. Um, and you've got yeah. heaps of photos out of the Tarkine, so you've you've uh, yes. you've captured that area very very well. So um, that's good. I'm, I'm 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 stoked to hear that. That's really cool because yeah. by the time I get down there, which will be oh. 20, 38 or something. Um, mm. I'd like it still to be there. That would be awesome. Well, um, we're running a, aren't, we, aren't we running a Tassie workshop this year sometime? So it's going to happen. Depends on how many um, thumbs up and likes and comments we get below to do it. And then, you know, one of those, hey? Yes, one of those. I'll get my mates to like it. Speaking of weather, oh. which you were, um, yeah. shout out to our friends up north. Holy smokes. Yeah. You're doing a tough... With yeah. your rain, it's and the floods, and that's it's yeah. unbelievable, it's nuts, isn't it? Absolutely crazy. We we had a few people from New South Wales in the workshop, and as the workshop continued on, they're like, "Oh, our power's gone off. Oh, the, this is happening. Oh, we we can't get on our road. Oh, we can't get home. <laughs> uh, we don't know what's going. Like in, in a matter of three days, yeah. I went from a little bit of rain to not being potentially able to get home. So uh, they were staying on in Tassie a couple of days longer. So that was lucky but yeah it's crazy crazy amount of rain yeah and and and, um keeping it within the photographic industry special shout out to the guys uh owners and managers of lismore camera house um it's actually known as the new camera house but i think it used to be called the lismore camera house but 
Um, got completely flooded, like underwater flooded for the second time right. in five years. Um, yes. And you can't get flood insurance in Lismore. So John, his name is, who owns the camera house there, uh, basically doesn't have a business anymore, which is bloody sad. Um, mm. Take it from me, I know how hard it is to run a, a store like that. Um, yeah. And he literally lost oh, probably 1.2 mil worth of gear, um, you know, Shit. plant and equipment, stock, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, most of it's now sitting out on his footpath. It completely destroyed. So real, yeah, right. just just horrible. Um, CR Kennedy's uh, office in yeah. Brisbane got flooded as well. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of people within our industry doing it tough up there. So shout out to you guys. Mm. And uh, it looks like the rain has stopped finally, but... Uh, yeah, apparently there's more coming though. Yeah, well, that's not yeah. good, not good at all. Not good. So. It's it's been it's been incredible. Yeah, that's that's terrible news. And yep. Yeah, and uh, I was just talking to someone today about it, New South Wales. You know, we always we all have this. You know, Queensland, Victoria, New South Wales. We all have these little rivalries, and you don't ever expect the worst from people. But New South Wales have had their fair share of crap over the last year and a half with you know have. COVID lockdowns, and then they've had uh, the floods as well, and they've yeah. also had some bushfires and. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, thoughts with those guys and hopefully uh, on to bigger and better things once they get it all cleaned up. Yeah, it's a real, it's a real bummer. And it's funny, um, and this is, I don't see this as a coincidence at all. In the last week, I have had a massive spike in people coming in and scanning their old photos. Um, oh, you reckon? Maybe they're worried. Well, yeah. you know, there's people now uh, in parts of Queensland and New South Wales that have lost you know, yeah. very, very precious memories in terms of printed yeah. photographs, um, yeah. which is, which is such a, such a bummer. So, and, and, yeah. you know, that, yeah, there are some techniques you can get to restore them, but some of them are that far gone. They're just, they're finished. Yeah. The, emul the emulsion yeah. has literally come off the paper. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's right. So these yeah. images are completely gone. So, um, yeah, I don't know why I wanted to bring that up. That's a bit of a bummer, but anyway, that's, that's, that's yeah. the world in which well, we live at the moment. It can be an important topic as well, you know, making sure your photos are all backed up. That's probably a, another complete episode there about how to store your images. And, yeah. you know, I, I just the thought just went through my head then. I'm sitting at my computer. I've got a few hard drives in front of me. I'm like, yeah. if that happened here, I'd be unplugging them in a hurry and uh, yeah. taking off out the door. But, yeah, and that's yeah. why, um, just a quick little tip, uh, you know, using the cloud is so important now. And, and um, yeah. I've got a couple of accounts on the cloud where, my images sit um, copies yep. high the full version of the of the images even yep. some of the unedited raw files sit on the cloud yep. now so that if touch wood that should happen here in sunny ocean grove where we get a bit of a flood or yep. a tsunami or something god forbid um yeah everything yeah. will be safe in terms of Hopefully. our photos <laughs> yeah yeah everything else yeah well wow. well that, that's a bummer Sorry, man. That's for sure. Anyway. <laughs> you, well, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just crap, isn't it? Hobby? Nah, it is. You know, Mother Nature, you know, we talk about ch climate change and all those things and, you know, you can be a sceptic or you can be a believer or whatever, but thing, things are changing. You can't deny If there's it. anything good to come out of it from a landscape photography point of view, and that is the waterfalls are pumping. Pumping. I have yeah. well, seen we, we, some we went to visit. A, we went to visit a waterfall here in the Tarkine. doesn't run. It's not running. First time I've ever seen it not running. There wasn't a, a trickle coming down it. Wow. Crap. It's crazy. They, well, they said it's the driest they've seen the Tarkine in about 35 years. There you go. Polar opposites, huh? But uh, yeah. that can change really quickly, as we know. I wanted to, um, moving right along, folks, I wanted to yeah. just quickly talk um, about 
digital SLR cameras in particular or, or mirrorless cameras and their sensors and how dirty yeah. they can get because what's been going on lately as well at the shop is I've had a bit of a spike in people coming in and getting their sensors cleaned. Now, what does that mean yeah. to the average punter out there? If you're ever taking photos, um, so let's have a look, say, for example, the, the photo behind Cam there where he's got a lot of that blue sky area and is particularly yeah. shooting at... Um, uh, high aperture value, so small opening, high aperture value. Quite often, what can happen is you'll get these little smudges in the sky. Um, looks like I don't know, almost like a, you know, literally like a bit of dirt or dust or something like that. You can't quite see it focus, but it's like a little black smudge. Yeah. And what you're looking at there is dust on your sensor. And I don't care what brand of camera you own, and I don't care how good they tell you their sensor cleaning system is. Be careful um, on that. I have seen pretty much every brand and pretty much every camera with dust on the sensor um, yeah. since I ran camera and photo. Uh, the other day, uh, I had two Canon 6D Mark IIs, owned by the same photographer, come in. Yeah. I could not get over how much dust was on the sensor. You can't see it until you shoot. Um, what you can do if you really want to see how clean your sensor is, is just set your um, mode dial to aperture priority and dial up the highest aperture you can, normally f22, something like that, and take a photo of a white wall. Now you'll probably end up having to do like a half a second or a one second exposure, it doesn't matter, you can shoot it handheld. In fact, sometimes it's better to shoot it handheld because a little bit of movement will actually show you the dust on the sensor uh, a yeah. lot more. Um, you might be, might, may very well be surprised how much dust is actually on your sensor that you don't know is there. Yeah, um, well, funny you say that about the picture behind me because I did spend a few minutes getting rid of some dust spots. But yep. I, I, I will admit, and this is not me being an Olympus, formerly known as OMD, whatever we call them these days, <laughs> fanboy, fanboy, I have never, ever had a single issue with my Olympus cameras and dust spots, ever, full stop, because they have the vibrating sensor that turns on and off when you turn the camera off and supposedly dust shake. The Leica camera I'm using which I very rarely change lens on, has dust spots every time. Yep. So you, Brent, here's a question for you without notice. So yep. dear Brendan, yeah. my my camera keeps, my Leica camera keeps getting dust spots on there, mm -hmm. even though I'm not changing lenses. How do the dust spots get in there? Um, generally speaking, there's a lot of cameras that claim to be weather sealed. Um, mm -hmm. But depending on which lens you use, the lens also has to have weather sealing on it. But even then, I've seen... So, for example, um, I know Canon with their L-series lenses claim to be weather-sealed. The issue yep. you've got with uh, a lens is you have moving parts. The lens actually breathes, if you like. So even when yes. you focus, the, the, um, the lens elements are moving in and out, away from each other. Yes. That yep. is causing a little vacuum inside the lens, which sucks dust inside, sucks air inside your camera. Right. And with that comes the dust. Now, we... Going back to the Canon 6D Mark IIs that I had, she was a, uh, well, still is, a um, baby portrait photographer. And right. she's using a 24 to 70, and she's using a 70 to 200 a lot. These yep. things, when you twist to zoom in and out, they're just, you can, almost, if you put your hand on the end, you can actually feel a little bit of suction when you zoom yes. in and out. So that's yep. where her issue was. And she was shooting indoors a lot. Um, you wouldn't even yep. know that there was, it was a dusty environment, but. Yeah, she was yeah. saying to me that she she's pretty much got to bring me the cameras every probably <clears throat> six months to um, have them cleaned properly. Right. Um, okay. 
look, you can buy sensor cleaning kits and you can do it yourself. Yep. No worries at all. I do, I do, I do mine. Yep. Um, um, but I, I do it with I do it with a, a hell of a lot of caution. Yeah. So something like a blower brush or something like that, and the sensor cleaning kits are there. Uh, but it is really, really easy to scratch the low-pass filter that goes across in front of your sensor. Um, there's Cam holding up his exposed sensor right there. That makes me nervous just well, looking it's at Well, that's actually a, a, a shutter plane. Oh, that's okay. Then. Good. Right. Couldn't quite yeah, see yeah. it. That's an, another reason why I don't know how to dust gets in here because it's protected by a shutter plane. Yeah, anyway. but the, the shutter the shutter curtain mechanism itself isn't weather sealed yes. either. So, um, no. but when it's exposed, of course, uh, it's there's a static charge to the sensor as well, so that attracts dust. So yes, that's the, a good point. You yeah, know, lot, I've actually lot. I've actually learned something from that thing, Pete Brendan. That's all right. That's what I'm here yeah, for. Yeah, I, I, I really have. I've actually I was I was on my head after I was doing this photo and a few others had some dust spots on them. Like, but I didn't yeah. change the lens for the entire workshop. I left yep. that on there. Yep. Uh, how is that dust getting in? They are weatherproof to a point, these yeah. little lichens, yeah. but yeah, something's getting in there. But yeah, and while, um, and while I agree with you, um, Olympus do have a very, very good. Um, yeah, I've, I've never had that problem. Yep, they so. do have a very, very good system. I have had to clean. Um, yeah, a few Olympuses. Um, well, well, Olympuses the, is uh, it? Olympuses, Olympi. Olympi, Olympuses is its Olymp OMDs. OMD. Well, I, I also had. I also had the Fuji with the medium format sensor, mm. and that all, that also had a you know some sort of vibrating sensor cleaning yeah. thing on it. Yeah. But that also bigger sensor, like almost three times the size of full frame, um, that was pretty good. But again, that was when I first started noticing because I've been using Olympus for so long. I had a yeah. bit of a play with the Fuji and the Leicas, and all of yeah. a sudden I'm like, where are these dust spots? I've never had this problem before. Yeah. And that's the other advantage. Other advantage you've got yeah. with Olympus, of course, is they have the smaller sensor area, so you're you know, less That's inclined to attract dust over a micro yeah. four-thirds sensor. So, so I, I now, I now, I now feel for the other, for the rest of the plebs, you know, the ones who are using the lesser brands, <laughs> as to what what they've been what they've been putting up with for all these years. Yeah. But um, can we can we just yeah, reiterate one more time that the Down South Photo Show is not sponsored by sponsored. any camera manufacturer whatsoever? We're not sponsored by anything, <laughs> and we won't get sponsored if I keep hanging shit on all of them. <laughs> fair point. A fair point. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to sponsor ourselves. This 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 episode sponsored by Taz Photo Workshops. It is. Yeah. Look at that. A pathway to a pathway to better photography. I haven't even got my own merch on today, but we'll come back to that in a second. Yeah, I, I like that t-shirt. You do? Yeah, okay. it's lovely. All right. Well, we'll, we'll come back yeah. to that. Anyway, moving moving uh, so back the last, to the sensor the last cleaning. word on sensor cleaning. Um, you, yes, as I said, you can do it yourself, but if you, um, it, it can be fraught with danger. It's a little bit. Well, it's a little bit too easy to scratch a low-pass filter, which is the yeah. glass that's... You're not actually cleaning the sensor no. um, because you can't, but it does yeah. have... There's what's called a, a low-pass filter that sits over the front yeah. of your sensor that you're actually cleaning. That's where the dust gets attracted to. Um, yeah. And there's two kinds of dust. There is dust and then there's welded dust. Have you ever heard that saying before? No, I thought, I thought there was two... I, I knew there was like... Black dust and white dust. Yeah, so welded dust is a real issue. Not so far, not not as much down south where we are, but certainly up in the tropics. Humidity oh, and right. dust with a sensor. Ugh. So if the dust yeah, sits right. on a, on a sensor for too long and it's it like humidity in the air, just a tiny bit of moisture in the air, it actually gets yeah. bonded to the filter. Uh, and they so, are, so. then you need to do a wet clean on your sensor, and you do not attempt those at home, folks. You take so, them to professional uh, camera cleaning places. When you clean sensors, mm -hmm. um, do you do? Is your one that you do with a spray and a little wiper? No. Nope. Do you do it the same? No. 
Okay, no. so do you use it like an air pressure thing? Correct. So clean? the first okay. the first step of a, of cleaning a sensor is to use the blower brush, where um, yep. or just a blower, not a blower brush, a blower, um, and that's like where a, you like can one of those? correct. That is a rocket blower. That's what we use down at Camera and Photo, um, where you basically so all cameras have a sensor cleaning mode. So you go into the menu, you go to clean sensor manually, it'll lock the shutter open, you do exactly what Cam's doing there, you hold it upside down and you do not get that nozzle too close. You just need a little bit of air blowing across. Um, I also have uh, a loop, which is an eyepiece that I can put right up and it magnifies the sensor for me as well. Um, this is this is a pre-plane. Is that a loop? Yeah, sort of. Uh, yeah, that, that can be used as it, but my, mine's got a built-in LED ring light, which actually illuminates oh, right. the sensor as well. So you can see the dust really well. And yeah, if a blower yeah. doesn't knock it out, then I use uh, Lens Pen's product, which is their actual, it's called oh, yeah. a Sensor Clear, which is a yep. tiny little lens pen, which you put yep. on there and um, yeah, basically knock the dust off that way. Um, before all that, I do the sensor photo, so I can show the customer a before and after. We take a photo of the white wall, we show them where the dust is, we clean the sensor, yep. we do the photo again, and we show them before and after. Um, the reason we do that is because sometimes, after we've done a clean, it can happen where dust reappears quite quickly. That's because yep. some cameras um, have little areas around the mirror box, which are also static, statically charged, uh, the dust, as we're getting it off, it gets attracted to it because the camera's turned on. Yep. As soon as you turn the camera off and you hand it back to the customer, it can yep. release and sometimes end yeah, up back okay. on the sensor. And if that happens, we just tell the customer to bring it back in and we do it again, so with, at no yep. charge. So, um, okay. so do you, do you do you clean sensors for free or do you charge for that service? No. So we charge because it's there's labour, there's time involved. It's forty nine dollars yep. to yep. clean a sensor. Um, okay. We also offer a package where it's $99, where we will clean your sensor and the body of the camera and any lenses you own as well. Right, um, okay. Up to three lenses. So, and when I That's say good. clean, we, we, we really go to town on filters and, and the end lens elements. We clean them properly uh, using yep. proper materials to clean it, not 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 the beautiful hairy tog t-shirt and you know, like that, that a lot of, yeah, that yeah. I've been guilty, we've all been guilty of, I'm sure. Yes. We don't just go, yes. And <laughs> get the old spit and polish. Ninety nine dollars, thanks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, and look, if people Here's just it. come in for a sensor clean, uh, we can normally tick that box in a couple of hours. But the full yeah. system clean, we'd like to hang onto a camera for about three days. So yeah, um, so it's not it's not ninety nine dollars and, and a dose of COVID on the front of your lens. It's no, that's right. It's <laughs> a proper clean. That's exactly right. Um, yeah. So, uh, so, yes. so just I'll, I'll chip in. I was going to say. So, I guess our recommendation to people at home is, if you know, if you've got a blower brush, and like I said, these blower brushes you can buy from any camera shop, pretty cheap. Yep. You know, you can give it a go at home, and you know, like I said, the cameras all have sensor modes where you can do a, a blank shot, so to speak, and get the the, the dust to show. So, we so we'd suggest if if you can try and give it a bit of a blow brush at home before you take it into someone. But yep. some people sensors are one of those things that people are very, very, very sensitive. Huh? Pun intended. I like it. Uh, about about the sensor. So, you know, if you're not sure, take it to someone professional who knows yeah. what they're doing. Yeah, um, and and just yeah. uh, throw back to your earlier point. If I come across welded dust, in other words, it needs a wet clean, I hand it back to yeah. the customer, no charge, and then give them a recommendation of where they should take it. Um, yeah. We we don't have a sealed, you know, laboratory yeah. where we can yeah, where we yeah. can we can clean things that professionally. Um, yep. Sad news though, where we used to send everyone, Camera Clinic yeah. is no, no longer. Closed. Yeah, they're closed down. Another one bites the dust. Absolutely unbelievable. 
I mean, yeah. I, I was actually floored by that news. That I mean, this is a business right. that's been going for 50 years. Yeah, um, I, I was almost going to send one of my second bodies there to get um, transferred, transferred? What's the word? Converted, converted into, infrared. Into, into infrared, but... Yeah. Now, I might have to send it to a place in the States to get it done. Yeah, well, they um, had Australia's leading infrared converter yeah. working for, yeah. for Camera Clinic. Um, yeah, yeah, amazing. Jeez, right. so, that's two bummers in this episode. Sorry, guys. Well, let's try and lift the, the thing. Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> I, 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 reckon, I reckon our next topic's going to raise the spirits a bit. Yeah, well, um, I gave a talk uh, two nights ago uh, at a local retirement village. And uh, it was funny because, you know, you think retirement village, what does that conjure up? Cam, yeah. what, you know, what, what do you think? You, you're thinking uh, Zimmer frames, you're thinking people falling asleep. I, was, I, thinking... I, was, I wasn't going to say anything. I was going to say a <laughs> bunch of really well, well, you know, good people wanting to learn stuff. Yeah, sure you were. Uh, <laughs> I know John is listening. Uh, hello, John. He, uh, you know, I didn't tell him I'd give him a shout out, but I will anyway. John and, Hi, John. Sh- John and Shane at the retirement village that I went to, The Breeze in Point Lonsdale. Um, yep. were uh, very, very, uh, very kindly invited me along to talk about my absolute favourite topic in the world, me. So that was that was cool. I got to I got to which, stand which there. Which by the look of which by the look of it turned into a conversation about me. Correct. Um, <laughs> the Down South Photo Show was mentioned a couple of times, which was fantastic. And excellent. Uh, yeah, I, I just basically talked to him about my journey in landscape photography and then my journey into running it doing it as a living, as a profession, which um, for some reason they found riveting, uh, except for one guy that actually did fall asleep. <laughs> it was very, very funny. We all we all made a big noise to waking him up. Uh, that, was, that was very funny. Uh, and then, then I did an impromptu workshop, about just a 15-minute little workshop about... Right. Uh, landscape composition which uh which went yeah. over really well we had about 30 people in the room so it was cool, cool. um That's really awesome. really enjoyed it they enjoyed it and then at the end they normally give their presenters a bottle of wine and they yeah, find they, they found out that i'm not they, a huge they, wine they, drinker yeah and then they gave me a little t-shirt that they yeah. had organized with cam which is for those who can't see it's the um get to the chopper hairy tog t-shirt so yeah. um as soon as this show is and, over, this and, will go in the bin. But um, there you go. It's for one show at least. <laughs> dis- disclaimer: It's not a little T-shirt. It's a large, by the yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. And, and thanks um, for thanks for getting me a black one. Yeah, well, I wasn't sure what color you'd want. The pink ones are selling well, but uh, yeah. no, uh, I thought the black me. one would be good. Black, black for you. Um, black hides a lot. People know what I'm yeah, talking black about. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, let's get to the chop of the hairy tog, and that's Cradle Mountain <laughs> in the background there. And, yeah. uh, I was emailed by John. I think it was John that emailed me. And, said uh hey what can we do and i said yeah. let me just send you something for brendan no you're exactly um, right it was it was john he's uh yes uh john, john's a good guy he um he as i say he organized it and uh it was it yeah. was awesome so thank you for well, that, john where it with pride mate um you know you, you're now part of the hairy talk club absolutely i wear it with pride that's, for the next 15 minutes it's not, no worries it's not it's not it's not a unique club and you know some people don't like to be a part of that club but no, no, now that a, you're in there it's a good yeah, one, well, what's this once you're in you can't get out sort of things it's the well, I've actually, I actually, california it is a bit like that um i've actually recruited someone from my tarkine workshop into the hairy talk club and they're getting a t-shirt tomorrow oh really so, uh yeah and we're talking about actually just a, you know, as we go off, as we always do. Oh no! This is this, tonight's show is completely off the rail, so go for it. Yeah, it's a, you're, not, you're not even sixteen by nine, mate. So, <laughs> um, so uh, on the workshop, I was talking about this idea I've got, which I'm going to announce coming up this year sometime about 
a series of workshops I'm looking to do. And I thought it'd be really cool to give someone something at the end of each workshop that they can sort of not collect, but you know, tick off that they've done this certain thing. And a few people on thing like, oh, don't don't do that. Don't don't make merchandise or don't give people stuff that they have to wear because then it becomes a competition <laughs> or people like camera clubs. People at camera clubs are like, oh, I've done this, but you haven't done this type of thing. And uh, I said, well, you know, they said, then you know you're part of a club, you know, and or you're part of a group or a part of a clan or. You know, you're a bit of a groupie for that photographer. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, point taken. You know, thanks for the feedback. But I was talking to this other guest and um, I said, well, I'll give you a Harry Talk t-shirt because, you know, you know, it's one of those in-jokes where people don't really know what the Harry Talk's all about. But if you see someone else wearing that t-shirt, you know, it's like, um, you know, you give them a wink, you know what's going on. And it's like it's like that Fight Club, you know, don't talk about Fight Club. And first rule of Fight Club, <laughs> you don't talk about Fight Club. It's just a bit like Which that with hairy talk. So Absolutely, absolutely. Well, again, I feel mm. privileged to have a hairy talk t-shirt yeah. in my Arsenal and I shall wear it with pride and it will I'm pop glad up you on said the Arsenal, South photo show. Um, and it's, it's just absolutely uncanny that you use the phrase fight club because I just wanted to sneak in a, a quick story that I learnt during the week, right. um, which I just, I read the story and went, I've got to talk about this on the show. And look, some of you might already know this story, but um, back in 1971, so we're going back a little bit, this is before Cam and I walked the earth, so this is a little bit before our time. Um, just before yours. There was a boxing match that uh, took uh, that happened in I believe it was Las Vegas because that's where all the big fights happened um, and it was between Joe Frazier and the greatest of all time Muhammad Ali Cam's mm. going what the hell are you going with this story Brendan what, what has this got to do with photography um, and anyway being in Las Vegas um, there's a lot of uh, casinos there and there was a certain gentleman by the name of Frank Sinatra that was performing at a nearby old, old, old blue eyes. Old blue eyes. It was performing right. at a nearby casino, and Frank Sinatra, believe it or not, could not get a ticket to this uh, Ali Frazier fight, which which you would think is ridiculous, but, but it was completely sold out. Completely sold he'd get, out. He'd get ringside, wouldn't he? Sure. So Frank Sinatra decided for one night only. He would be a photographer for Time Life magazine and got a press pass. And not only did he get ringside seats, he had his camera there. And I'm looking at it now. It looks like an old Nikon. And right. I'm going to throw the photos up on the screen. And he took photos of the fight and lo and behold, got the cover of Time Life magazine. <laughs> really? Absolutely. Uh, That's a true story. That is a one hundred percent true story, and the co and oh. I'm looking at it now. Life magazine uh, cover photography by Frank Sinatra. How about that? Did he get Did he get the cover because he was Frank Sinatra? Or See, now this is photos? the thing, isn't it? This is the thing because I'm yeah. looking at the photo, and I know I've seen better photos of that fight, but yeah, yeah, he has the cover, and it's uh, what a quirk! Like I just, I just found that story yeah. amazing. How did, you, how did you come about that story? I have no idea. I was down the rabbit hole on some <laughs> photography website, and it came up, and I just went, okay. I don't know that many people would know that story, but that's no, it's, it's that's quite pretty amazing. cool. Yeah. So right, well, there you go. So, so fame and fortune doesn't also always get you front row tickets. No, that's right. But uh, for one night only, but, he was but, a press but photographer. Being a photog but being a photographer does. Do you reckon there was like an actual sports photographer next to him? Now, listen, Frank. What you do yeah. is, you here's yeah, yeah. the settings. He got it all right for him said, you just point he's and got, shoot, he's buddy. He's got the camera pointing the wrong way. Yeah, <laughs> here's your settings. Possibly. 
How many selfies yeah, do you reckon were done with Frank that night before the selfie was even a thing? There must be some. There'd be a few. Yeah. It'd be tricky. It'd be Amazing. tricky back then, but that's a cool story. Yeah, okay. Just thought yeah. I'd throw it in there for something a little bit different. Uh, if you have got a wacky... <laughs> <laughs> we'll come up with this might be a segment. Another, another seg- wacky historic yeah. photos topics. Try, try and top oh, that God. one. Wonder if we can get Frank on the downset. Sorry, we'll move right along. Uh, let's yeah. talk about. We could get Muhammad. Uh, okay. yeah. Let's go with yeah, dear. Another, another, another bummer. Yeah. Let's go. We have. My goodness, it's already forty-five minutes into the show. We have a. <laughs> it's probably not quite that much since I've been recording my audio. Um, the segment you all know and love, folks. Dear Cam, it's back yeah. for another week. Uh, dear Cam, you ready for this one, Cam? Yeah, I've got a feeling this is a doozy. <laughs> dear Cam, this is from <laughs> our friend, Alison. Hello, Alison. Thank you for tuning G'day, in. Alison. I was watching yeah. a YouTube clip of Jamie Rosencrans. Heard of that person, Cam? Not fa- I'm not familiar, but I'm going to look, look, look her up. Uh, I was watching a YouTube clip of Jamie Rosencrans on macro photography. And she said she uses extension tubes on her Olympus 60mm macro lens sometimes. Can you please tell me more about what extension tubes are and how to use them, if they are worth it, and when to use them? Now, being predominantly a show about landscape photography, but we do quite often talk about the macro world, the landscape within the landscape. Okay, Um, so we don't have to answer this question. Well, I've never used them. (laughs) What about you? No. um, Oh, okay. It's It's a... that's a tricky one. Um, okay. I, I have used macro extension tubes, or I have used extension tubes in general, but that was back in the more of the film days. I had some extension tubes for my old Olympus. Um, now, my understanding of the macro of the extension tubes, I think you don't necessarily have to use them with a macro lens; they can fit any lens, and they do come in. I think they're like you know twenty mil, fifty mil, and sixty mil, or whatever they are in different increments of, of size and 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 uh, distance that they create but my understanding is that they allow you to work closer to or work further back from a subject but still get the same magnification i think they also help in, increase the magnification onto your sensor or onto your film so if you're shooting at the 60 mil macro lens and you want to go greater than one to one macro then that might be one way to do it um, but my understanding was really and this is purely off what i used to use them for was just to be able to shoot, you know, like a normal 50 mil lens, but turn it into a macro lens because you're able to move the the the, the actual lens further away from the film plane, so yep. you can actually magnify. You're magnifying things, really. Yeah. Well, that makes um, sense. Sort of, and and would it all? Yeah. And seriously, like I don't know anything. About this. That's why it's called Dear Cam, folks, and not Dear Brendan. But the the um, does it also uh, help you with your closest focusing distance? Uh, I, sh- I assume it would. Yeah. Um, it, it, it would move everything closer uh, yeah. without actually being closer. So yeah, and yeah, I'm just I'm just looking at some of Jamie's work now. She's actually an Olympus shooter, Olympus ambassador, I believe, and she's got some stunning macro work, really really nice stuff. There you go. Um, and just having a look at the work she's doing, I'm assuming that the macro extension tube she's using is to be able to have the camera back but get a, a closer working distance yeah, in general. So, so, so like working with insects and things like that where you don't necessarily want yes. to be right on top of them. That's right. And I think some of these are also greater than one-to-one macro. I think that you can actually do greater than one-to-one. Um, but the the 60 mil macro lens from Olympus, uh, one of my customers actually uses this religiously um, and she does some incredible insects and spider shots in WA. 
and she uses that 60 mil macro lens. It's a really nice little lens, but I'm assuming that having that 60 mil macro lens with an extension tube, um, it's similar to Bellows, though, from what I understand. Bellows, unlike the old cameras we used to use, the, the more you spread out, then you know the greater that magnification becomes on the film plane or the yep. sensor. So, yep. um, so whether or not getting back to Allison's question, whether or not you need to use them, um, look, I don't think they're super expensive. Uh, they would certainly be cheaper than buying a really smashing macro lens. Um, if you've already got the 60 mil macro on the Olympus, I would say that is almost good enough because I, I do have that lens and I have done some fungi and macro with the fungi and it, you know, it does give you life-size uh, magnification on your sensor. Um, but I think you know it's not a, not a bad tool to have in the kit. Uh, like I said, I don't think they're expensive. They come in sets of three. Usually you just buy them as a set. Uh, make sure they fit the micro four thirds sensor uh, mount, uh, lens mount. Um, but yeah, if that's something you're getting into, Alison, if that's something you really enjoy, um, if you're already doing it a bit already with the macro lens, then I'd say yes. If you're purely starting out fresh, I would say maybe just try the lens first before you get into the macro extension tubes because that might that might slow your process in, in what you're learning. Okay, so this is going to really uh, show how naive I am when it comes to using these things. Might be homework for next week because we're getting a bit late in the show. What's the difference between an extension tube and a teleconverter? So, well, the extension tube the extension tube has no magnification on it. It right. is just purely a spacer. Right. So you're pulling the you're pulling the, you're just, the focal you're just, plane you're just, away from you're away making from, it further away. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like when you do um, you know when you have a torch against the wall and you pull it back yeah. and it gets bigger and smaller. Same sort of thing. You, you're projecting a different size onto yep. the sensor. Yep. Where a telephoto actually has a magnification, it actually has a, an element. A teleconverter, yeah, that, that's right. It yeah. has an extra group of lenses inside it, doesn't it? That's right. So it's adding it's adding another layer of magnification where uh, the difference with the, the extension tube is it's, it's extending the lens, yep. where the teleconverter is actually extending the magnification, I believe. It is. But yes, it, it, is may, it may be... It, adding to the yeah. magnification of the lens. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's multiplying. But yeah, that's, that's a tricky question, Alison. Uh, if nice your next one, question, can, if your if your next question cannot be that tricky, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I mean, we're all learning here, yeah, so um, well, I'm learning. You know, well, I've I've just I've just discovered a really cool macro photographer. There you go. Uh, who does so? To go check out this work. It's so all of a sudden, a little... Jamie is on Cam's radar for a guest on the Down South Photo Show at some point. <laughs> do, do, do we want to try and get Jamie on? She's from London. Well, look, we've got we've got a fan in Allison, so maybe Allison can grease the wheels for us and make it happen that would be pretty cool actually yeah. um so thanks for that if you have got a mm. dear cam question please send it to us via the links below and uh you know on all the social media and wherever you find us and we got that website up there cam it's coming right yeah just like 16 by 9 true the day we get the website up is the day that i have my webcam i was so excited and, about the webcam you had to bring it back up again and what's the bet when we get a website? It'll be a four by three ratio screen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, we're going to pay homage to my four by three setup and to the brand yeah. formerly known as Olympus. Jeez, we've, we've plugged them a lot tonight. Who? Exactly. Um, <laughs> well, we're coming towards the end. Cam, what have you got coming up? And um, mm. I noticed in the notes here you've uh, got some more Tarkine workshops for next yeah. year. Yeah, um, so what I've got coming up at the moment, next thing I've got on, I'm actually doing a baby shoot on Sunday. I'm shooting a human, which will move and cry and 
do stuff, drool, spew, whatever it might do. Right. Um, Watch out for I've that on a, your sensor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've got a, uh, a friend of mine who has had a baby and now turning one. So I think it's more of a toddly, toddler kind of. We're getting into toddler stage. We go into the botanical garden to do a quick shoot. What an awesome uh, But after, after, yeah, it is a good age. After that, uh, later in the month, I've got the Southwest Tassie Wilderness Camp. So we fly in on a light plane down the a stunning coastline of southern Tasmania. We land, we glamp for three days off the grid, and we get a, access to a, a pilot and access to a boat rider, a boat driver, boat rider, is that what they do? That's like a, that's where they put all the grog, isn't it? The boat rider. Um, it's a boat driver. <laughs> uh, and we go out to the Bathurst Harbour and we take photos of all the amazing scenes around there uh, for three days, and then we fly back over the mountains back in the Hobart. So that's on, but yeah, I've just actually... Well, that sounds time. awesome. Yeah, it sounds terrible. It's, uh, it's sold out. It's sold out. We get uh, three days in the wilderness. Everything's done for us. Though, right? like, we go with a, a company down here does all the, the scenic flights down there. And they've got this amazing bush glamping area where you've got these real glamping tents, double beds, all me- nestled in amongst all these tea trees right on the edge of this huge harbour, mountain views, the whole thing. It's incredible. And then we go out on the boat and there's, you know, there's dolphins, sea eagles, seals, albatross all these things you know we go explore um which is pretty cool um so but yeah but when i get back uh there's i've got an overland track walk next month but the tarkine seems to be one that's really really popular i seem to get a lot of people inquiring about that so i've actually jumped the gun a bit and put a couple on for next year uh so may and august i'm actually going to run them closer to winter purely on the back of what i just did this week where it's quite dry still i think the seasons are squashing up a bit. So I want to get these workshops right in the middle of fungi season, right in the middle of all the, the wet, sort of miserable sort of weather that's come through and, and dampen the forest up. So they're on my website at the moment. Uh, you can go check them out. Um, I limited them to six people. Um, it's a great workshop, four nights, five days, everything's done for you. Yeah. Come along. Go, we'll, come, we'll always visit this place behind me. You'll be blown away by this place. But... Um, that's what I got going on. On how about you? What uh, what's going on in the land of camera and photo? Well, um, lots. It's a very very busy time again, which I'm very grateful for. So we're doing we're getting a lot of work through the store, which is great. I am yeah. interviewing potential new staff members next week, so that'll be good. Um, I didn't finally, I didn't get a reply to my resume. Finally, um, see, I just glossed over that. Finally, um, <laughs> had a few resumes in, so which is yeah. great to see that um, things like that are starting to happen again because it was getting a bit frustrating being back on the tools on my own the whole time. Do um, you do you look at the resume? If they have a section down there saying subscribe to Down South Photo Show, is that like, is that a, like it's an the extra first question in the interview, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, so and so, welcome. Uh, yeah. Do you listen or watch? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, it'll just be tell me what the Down South Photo Show is. Tell us what the last episode. What was the answer? What was the, what was the, what was the answer to the last year cam question? Yeah, that's right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's I'm good. I'm also heading up to the Murray River this weekend, so uh, it's a long nice. weekend here in Victoria. We have the Labor Day long weekend, so um, isn't isn't that when you have your golf classic on? Uh, no, that used to be the first five oh, yeah. were on the Monday Labor Day. First five, oh, there's now been sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that takes you back. Uh, yeah. So no, I'm going to head up there and uh, visit some awesome. family and friends, and yes. no doubt the camera and the drone will make its way yeah. to the kit. So um, cool. 
do that for a bit and then uh, yeah, yeah back into it flat out again so um yeah lots going on uh, to that end, if you are wanting to check out what I do for a living, cameraandphoto.com.au, linked below, jump on, have a look, check out the gallery, order some prints online. Send him a message. Say g'day. It's fine. Send, send a resume. Send a resume. Want to come yeah. work for me? Do it. We don't care where you are. We'll, we'll get you sorted out. <laughs> work from home. <laughs> work from home. <laughs> um, new month means a new challenge. So um, yes. although it's already the 10th of March, look at us go. Smacked, the Ben Horn show through us. We we were we were too engrossed in what he had to say, and we yeah. Decided. You know what? Everyone that's listened to that's told me, like, how good does he sound on a microphone? Yeah. And I said to you, I said to you today, I said I sound like shit on a microphone. <laughs> how does he sound so good, and we don't sound so good? But he has got such a great talking voice. You could listen to him talk all day. No, he does. Um, he also has about five thousand dollars worth of audio equipment as well to help him. So, <laughs> wow. we're not, we're not sponsored too. by Road, not yet. Um, so, uh, our challenge for March, uh, yes. inspired by this one, one. Um, yes. <laughs> was uh, abstract landscapes. Cam, yeah, I, I was just thinking, and and the reason I did that because I actually put up a post today on my Instagram account uh, yesterday or today. And I was channeling my inner, inner Ben Horn because he shoots a lot of very intimate sort of abstracty landscapes. And he, and he spoke about that a bit on the on the last episode, episode 32, if you haven't listened to it. Link below. No, probably on the channel or something. Um, can we do cards? He, we can probably, you know, how they do cards. We'll put a card yeah. up here if we can. Do you know how to do that? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. He, yes, he says. Know. He says as nothing appeared. Nothing pops up. <laughs> so now that we've re- now that we've established that Brendan can't put cards up, just go to our channel and exactly. episode thirty-two with Ben Hall. But uh, he does a lot of full-frame, abstracty, sort of intimate landscapes. So more detail and texture. And he spoke a lot about that. And that that actually inspired me for my trip to the Tarkon. There were some beautiful sand ripples and driftwood and things like that. So this month we are going to um, do that. We, w- we want you to shoot full frame, abstracty, sort of intimate landscapes. So looking more down or patterns or textures and things like that. Um, I don't know what the hashtag is. I was going to say, as we speak, Cam is trying to come um, up with a hashtag for it. What, so what come on, we, we've one? got a good, I, I think we go right. hashtag abstract landscape. Be. Abstract, I can't spell, but that's all right. Abstract, abstract landscape. landscape. Beautiful. Hashtag abstract, abstract landscape is landscape. our mar- that's hard to say. Abstract landscape. Uh, for is our March challenge. So jump on board, hit us with a hashtag of ag- abstract I nearly got it wrong again. Abstract landscape. And uh, good, good, hash- good good hashtag. Get on board. <laughs> we can't even pronounce it. We can't even pronounce it. <laughs> uh, and that's where we'll leave it for episode thirty three of the Down South Photo Show. Thanks for joining us. We will see you for episode thirty four next week. Unless Cam's got anything else to add. Nothing. Got nothing. Love it. All right, guys. Uh, Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers. Ciao. See you guys.